Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Stephen Husk, who is QA Manager, Managed Analytical Services at Blue Jay Solutions. And today we're going to talk about benchmarking, how to drive performance in volatile times. So how are you doing? I mean, that's a question that we often ask our friends and, and our colleagues. And how are we doing? Now, that's a question that companies often ask themselves, too. But in order to answer that question as completely and accurately as possible, they need to look beyond internal metrics. You know, they need to know how they're doing compared to others in the industry, uh, too. And, and that's where benchmarking, you know, comes in. Um, but what does benchmarking mean, particularly in transportation? Is there a, a, a standard approach uh, to it? And how can companies leverage benchmarking to drive improvements in transportation? Well, those are the, some of the key questions we're going to address in today's episode. And it's great to welcome Stephen back to the program to share his insights and perspective on this topic. So, Stephen, welcome to the program. Thanks. Great to be here. Good to be talking with you again, Adrian. And I do actually want to say that I used one of your articles, I think, on digitization recently. It was very helpful. So I don't remember when you put that one out there, but thanks for what you're doing. Great. And I appreciate it. Appreciate the feedback. And you know, it, it seems like a, a lifetime ago since you were in the, in, on the program, and certainly that was, uh, uh, it wasn't that long ago, but, you know, in light of COVID and everything else, uh, certainly the, the world has changed since we last talked. Uh, but nonetheless, one thing that hasn't, you know, changed is really this, this whole area of, you know, uh, companies always want to continue to improve their performance, right? And, you know, there continues to be a lot of interest and discussion today about benchmarking because it's one of those um, you know, areas that helps them to achieve that. Um, and one of those areas obviously is in, is in transportation. And, and there are also a lot of other terms that people use, you know, uh, like indices that, 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 that kind of get tossed out there. So, you know, let's start maybe with just like a basic, you know, question, you know, what do these terms mean, you know, benchmarking indices, you know, particularly when it comes to transportation? It's always good to start with definitions because uh, words matter. And, you know, a lot of times we throw out things we don't understand. I'm, I'm guilty of this. And with this topic, I am. I might even mix up some of these terms while we're talking today. So I apologize. I'll try to correct myself if I do. But we use them so loosely, I think. Um, I guess to start benchmarking, very simply put, is a, uh, it's establishing a reference point to which you can measure or assess yourself against. So I used to run, I used to run distance. And so uh, if I ran a mile, just timing myself in the mile, everyone knows that's not enough to know that I'm fast or not. I need a reference point to go off of in order to understand if I'm fast. So that's where um, we need to establish a benchmark of some sort to assess ourselves against. Um, and what we're going to be talking about today in transportation is more um, how market indicators can play into that benchmark and can be used as benchmarks and should be. Um, so an indicator is a, you know, a measure of a representative group. In this case, we're talking about the market, but there's also going to be different subsets in that market um, that we'll be looking into a little bit. Um, but uh, an index, you mentioned that term, this one I think maybe gets misused the most. An index is a compilation of indicators. So, um, and it's really meant to be measuring changes in time of, of uh, changes across time for maybe a segment of business of some kind. I mean, you think of like consumer pricing index or, uh, you know, manufacturing in index of some kind. So we got multiple indicators coming together to form 
uh, an index uh, that we, we can use. And so uh, really, if I'm using that running example, um, an indicator would be like average uh, mile time for in the United States. Uh, I could use that as my benchmark, right? Um, uh, an index might be, I don't know if this exists, but like overall fitness index for, <laughs> you know, people, you know, I could take the average mile time as part of that. And also like fast food restaurants per capita or something like that. All those could roll up into a fitness index, which I could use to kind of inform maybe where I should be, how much I should be improving, perhaps if I'm following a normal trajectory of fitness that the rest of the population is, which might actually be impactful in this COVID season, seeing as everybody's, you know, stuck inside, right? Um, so given the fact that everyone's stuck inside, maybe that overall fitness has dropped. And maybe if I'm doing a year over year comparison of my mile time, I might, you know, it might impact what that is. So we're talking and I, I want to bring it back to transportation. So benchmarking is especially critical in transportation using, uh, market indicators is especially important because as we know, transportation is volatile and success is changing. Um, you know, the, what shippers are experiencing is changing constantly. Um, and uh, we don't need to be told that. I think we probably get talk talk about that over and over again, but that's why having a benchmark is critical because without it, you're, you're like a person who's measuring their mile time and has, and, and just arbitrarily saying, yeah, I'm good or bad. Like that's, that's, uh, that's actually what's happening if you're not actually benchmarking yourself. Um, so, you know, at Blue Jay, we have a variety of um, indicators, you know, we have Blue Dex, which would be considered, you know, like a rate index. Um, there's a lot of other offerings out there for that. We also have um, our freight market index, which maybe is a little cheating because it's not a compilation, like, like a final index number, but it's a compilation of all of our KPI indicators um, on a, uh, for transportation uh, metrics that we, we try to use to kind of um, benchmark ourselves against and manage services as well as our, our, our other customers um, in the mix as well. But I think there's plenty of data out there today. I think it's more about how we're using the data uh, that we're going to be um, that I, I would argue is the greatest area of opportunity for us. I think we have, uh, most of us at this point could have access to that data uh, fairly quickly in order to get our, ourselves some good benchmarks to use. Yeah, no, I think this is some, some uh, you know, great simple definitions or, or way of perspective to, to think, about, think about these. You know, I know that, you know, uh, I'm more of a cyclist than a, than a runner. And, um, you know, but a lot of folks use, the, you know, Strava as kind of an app, right, mm. to record their, you know, activities, whether it's running or cycling. But even there, you can benchmark yourself, right? You can see how you're doing, you know, relative to your past performance, you know, relative to yourself. But you also can see how you're doing relative to others that have done that run that course over the past day or the past week. Sure. You can look at it, you know, how you're doing compared to others in your age group. Or you know you can break it down by other other breakdowns, and I think in transportation it's very similar too in the sense that you know there's a lot of different um, you know ways that you can slice and dice you know the market and, and operations, right? You know mm -hmm. if you're if you're running primarily dry van, it's very differently than what's happening with refrigeration or, yeah. or flatbed, right? Uh, what's happening in you know the California and the Northeast might be different than what's happening in the Southeast and Midwest, right? So there's sure. regional, you know, differences as well. So I think that's where you know really having that richness of data and information and being able to then analyze it at that level, I think is where you know it becomes kind of important, particularly in, in transportation because there is such you know diversity in modes, diversity in in uh, you know what's happening with rates and capacity, you know, across the the different regions. 
Um, so, you know, is, is there a kind of a standard approach to benchmarking uh, or could it be done in, in different ways? I mean, what are some of the, you know, the important pieces that are necessary to do it right? Yeah. So, you know, my personal from, you know, how I evaluate things personally, how we evaluate things here in the department and manage services, typically, you know, a benchmark would need to be, uh, I'd say methodical, um, and it need to be trusted, and it would need to be relevant. Those are kind of the boxes we try to check. So I'll kind of break those down. You mentioned a lot around the relevant piece of it, you know, how there's different subsets of the marketplace, you know, I don't want to compare van to reefer freight. That's, that's one that people typically understand, but there might even be, you know, we can break it out by industry, right? Maybe you want to look at a specific industry. Uh, like you said, region, that's a typically a big factor um, for uh, transportation as well. So understanding uh, and finding the benchmarks that are going to be um, most relevant to your business is important uh, to do. Uh, and not just the, the, the data itself that's most relevant, but um, also the KPIs, because there's a lot of different uh, KPIs that you could be benchmarking in. So you need to make sure that you're choosing the right KPIs as well um, that matter to your business. Um, so that plays a part in that. But also, the, another important piece is being methodical. So we kind of mentioned you could arbitrarily set a benchmark because a benchmark doesn't necessarily need to be a market indicator, although we're advising here in this episode that it should be informed at least by one. But oftentimes, you know, we, if, if we don't have an official benchmark, we're still benchmarking. We have tribal knowledge in our head about what success is, and we want to get away from that. Our, our benchmarks shouldn't be our... VP of supply chain is really smart. And he said, this is what should happen, right? It needs to be something that's a process that, that we can look at that process and understand how we came to get the resulting benchmark um, so that we can repeat that process. Cause we're going to have to, cause we just talked about transportation is uh, changing constantly. And, and, and so we need to be constantly reevaluating our benchmarks. Um, and then uh, the other piece of that is being trusted. So those kind of go hand in hand, I'd say, you know, if you, if you have something that's very methodical, that's a process that's clear and transparent and people understand that goes a long way to making something trusted. Um, but uh, I think another part of it is our behavior with those benchmarks, right? If we're using benchmarks in a mindset to really uh, more of, I guess, a, have more punitive action, you know, towards, towards segments of our business, then that's going to not build trust. But if we're, if we're talking about benchmarks in a in more of a future mindset, as far as, you know, what can we do to be better tomorrow? Um, then that's going to build trust around using. It. And that's, these things are, are, uh, I guess all these three things, these three things are critical in order for us to get the most out of uh, our benchmarks. Cause too often, honestly, I think where I see the biggest breakdown is in trust. Um, and that if you can't if you can't keep get people to trust the benchmarks you have in place for them, then they're not going to be useful at that point. You need people to get behind it and to start um, uh, understanding that they are useful for finding opportunities, for diving in and finding opportunities to improve the business. Uh, so that's that's kind of the standards we look at when we are establishing benchmarks. And obviously, a lot of people are kind of outsourcing all of that and pulling in data. Like like another example, we have that blue decks index, you know, that's something that we have a standard methodology. We evaluate the result, the results, um, you know, through statistics, making sure that, you know, that resulting index is actually, um, you know, representing what we see in our actual data. Um, 
and and we try to make the you know application uh, pretty broad. So there's you know you have your ability to to go into regions and to into you know specific equipment types and that kind of thing. So we are doing that when we create blue decks, and so we a lot of people end up choosing. Uh, to perhaps you know integrate with some sort of provider to get benchmarking brought into their system, or or perhaps it's already in their uh, their systems that they're using to manage day to day operations. But and that's how we approach it when we're creating these benchmarks for other people to use. You know, I, I like those three attributes that, that you talked about, and you know, sometimes it's always easy to think about a benchmark as you know some kind of number, right? Here's mm-hmm. a rate, or here's a a percentage of. Uh, you know, on-time delivery or whatever the case might be. Um, and, and I think that trust piece is so critical as you, as you talked about, because really, if you don't understand how that number, that percent was derived in the methodology that was used, um, you, you know, it's going to be difficult to get that trust, right? Um, so, so I think that, you know, being able to really clearly define and demonstrate, you know, the, the, the process, um, you know, how that data is gathered, um, how whatever estimates might be made or whatever computations are being made, what those were and, and, and so on and so forth. I think that providing that transparency and understanding is critical, you know, to, to really getting folks across the organization, you know, to, to embrace, you know, this, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the benchmarks that, that you're looking to use. And I love what you talked about, you know, the benchmarking can't be, you know, just leveraging tribal knowledge. I mean, tribal knowledge is important, you know, for a lot of things. Um, but, but that can't be your, your benchmarking, you know, standard is, you know, what's in someone's, uh, you know, head or, or their experience. Um, you know, certainly that can come in and help inform perhaps or help interpret what the data says, um, and, and help inform to your point, maybe what actions we should be taking in response to what the benchmarks are are telling us. Um, but that shouldn't be the, you know, the benchmark in, in itself. Um, so, so let's say now you've got the, you know, you've got a benchmark established, um, you've, you've got the trust built in, you've got the methodology, it's relevant, so on and so forth. I mean, can now, it all boils down to action, right? So this is not an exercise you do just for the sake of, 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 of doing it. I mean, ultimately you want to take some action based on that. So how are companies using benchmarking to drive, you know, improvements in, in transportation? Yeah. So. Uh, one of the ways I'd say uh, is they use benchmarks to inform goals. And some people think they kind of call this, I think mistakenly people view goals and benchmarks as synonymous. Um, they're not, right? That benchmark is that context piece that allows you to understand what, you know, where you are relative to that, to the market. And that's what we're talking about now. But um, but they don't have to be synonymous. Maybe they, they can be, right? You could continue to, to, you know, you could take an indicator and make that your benchmark and the benchmark could be the same as your goal. All, the, all three of those things are the same, but they don't have to be. And so, um, you know, as an example, like it, we too often see people set a goal that's just flat, that just stays the same for the business, no matter what. So based on what you see in the business, your benchmark should be informing that goal. I think that's fairly obvious based on what we're talking about. You know, if you, you know, if you keep a flat goal, you could be the bottom class of performers, you know, in 2019 and the top class of performers with the same goal in 2020. So it's pretty obvious why we would need to change uh, the goals um, based on that. But again, I want to keep them separate uh, so that people understand, you know, your business ultimately decides what your goals are. And you might have more aggressive goals than what the market's doing, but that market context should help inform how aggressive those goals are um, and should um, help you understand um, uh, you know, what, 
whether your goals are realistic, that kind of thing. But they should always be informing goals, and goals I think should be evaluated constantly in transportation. Um, and uh, so, but I, I don't. Again, I want to make sure there's a distinction between goals and benchmarks. But I think really where it gets down to it is looking at, um, and maybe I'm oversimplifying this, but this is how we approach it today in managed services: is looking at variance to benchmark. You know, you if without a benchmark, you have no reference point to to measure uh, that variance against. So now that you have that benchmark, you're really looking for, again, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of risking oversimplifying this, but if you, if I think if people started doing this tomorrow, they'd see impressive results. If you, if you just focus on your top five and bottom five performers, as far as variance to that benchmark, if I use rates as an example, this is what we do on a sometimes weekly basis, at least monthly basis for a managed services group. We look at the top five and bottom five performers compared to our rate index. And we're not talking about loads, we're talking about segments of the business. So it might be a lane, it might be a carrier, it might be, you know, we're breaking that top five down in a number of different ways. But when you start to look for variance is where you really begin to find the places where you're gonna make the most impact uh, quickly. And so it's a rinse and repeat process as a continuous improve, improvement process that we're doing every single day with those benchmarks. There's a lot of other applications for benchmarks, but um, I guess I would just say this is where we see the most success and where we see people, you know, they stop short of going into variants and they get stuck on details. You know, typically, you know, just stuck on, you know, this particular load that happened here that you, you know, was outside of variance or this particular, um, uh, other part of the business, instead of having this very methodical approach to asking, you know, what was the top five and bottom five contributors and why were, did they contribute to that? Um, it allows you to find the systemic um, problems that are influencing your business. And I, I mean, I would say 90% of the things that are impacting our performance are, are before the transportation planner actually begins planning uh, a transportation move, right? If we're talking about transportation specifically. And so that's why I think we have to step back and do this in a more um, aggregated approach using that benchmark uh, uh, to identify those places in our, our business that are bottom and, and top performers instead of getting stuck in the weeds of perhaps the day-to-day -day, where there's still value. And maybe we'll get to that. I'm not sure if we will, but um, there's still some value in that, but we can get lost in that. Yeah, not that, that that's a good point. I, I, and I like your point about, you know, separating or, or kind of the relationship between benchmarking and, and goals. I mean, if you talk to a transportation executive, you know, their goal is always to reduce transportation costs. <laughs> but, but that may not be you know, realistic, particularly in this environment right now, which is severely capacity constrained, right? So, mm -hmm. so then what's what should the goal be, right? If, yeah. if you can't, you know, if, if saying, hey, we're going to reduce, we can't reduce transportation costs by 10%, right? Um, yeah. Because it, it's a very... Uh, uh, you know, rates are going up and we, whatever the case might be. Right. So, yeah. so I think that's a, that, that's a good uh, point there. And then really understanding those variances and the contributors to those, those, those variances. I mean, ultimately that's what drives, you know, better understanding of maybe what are some of those systemic, to your point, what are some of those systemic practices or systemic uh, factors that are contributing, you know, to those, um, you know, to, to those issues or those opportunities that, that are out there. Um, so, so, so what are some, you, you know, common mistakes perhaps that, you know, companies might make in using benchmarks. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, we see a lot of them. I would say that uh, some of the most common mistakes, um, one of the most common mistakes I see is looking for um, the perfect index, the perfect benchmark. And uh, 
you know, this, this really, the reason why this is a mistake is because it typically paralyzes someone and keeps them from actually um, finding opportunities and, and working against those. What happens is you find a benchmark and it tells you something isn't right in your business. And then everybody gets defensive and then they find out reasons why that benchmark maybe doesn't perfectly represent uh, the situation that we find ourselves in today. Um, and instead of looking to find ways to move the needle on that, we try to dis discredit the benchmark and find something that's more perfect. And a good way to put this, I think, is if I use that running example, you know, if I made my benchmark, because I, I haven't ran in a year transparently, like I, I just, it's, it's been busy. I haven't been running. So if I did people who are inactive working desk jobs during COVID, and I just took that as my subset and made that like my, my average mile time that I'm trying to beat, that's not, <laughs> that's not going to, that may perfectly represent me, like my situation. But, uh, in that case, I, I've, uh, you know, I, I'm missing opportunity because, uh, my, if I really care about my mile time, I don't want to just beat people who are not active and sitting at home <laughs> at desk jobs all day. Right. So if I really care about that, I want to shoot for something different. So, um, all that to say that people get stuck on finding the perfect benchmark instead of finding one that, uh, is, uh, you know, like we said, it's representative and it's relevant. Um, but we're going to use that as that platform to find variance and find opportunity. So I think people get stuck on that, get stuck on the exceptions involved in that, you know, um, no, no benchmark, no indicator is going to be perfect. There, there is none. And I don't think Alvin just say there never will be an indicator that will tell you what should have happened for you. Um, cause your business is made up of hundreds of exceptions and hundreds of uh, unique circumstances. So if we get stuck on the perfect benchmark, stuck on the exceptions, and we don't drive a, that, again, that mindset, that future mindset of continuous improvement, if we don't foster that in our company, then, uh, then we're going to be not using our benchmarks altogether. We're just going to be defensive um, every time we look at a benchmark. Um, but uh, the other piece of it is how benchmarks tie together or how indicators, I should say, uh, tie together. Uh, like looking at cost and service as an example, we have both indicators in our FMI uh, data. And there is a point at which th service passes a, a threshold and where cost becomes impacted by that service, right? Um, so people oftentimes are trying to be the best at everything instead of understanding, again, which benchmarks are relevant for them or what their goals should be in light of their company's goals uh, and in light of those benchmarks. So, I mean, an example that we have practically within our managed services group, we had a group that wanted to increase on-time performance by about you know 4%, I believe what was what it was. Um, and that put them into a tier of shippers that was uh, you know, best best of best in class. And so we had to do an analysis and understand, you know, based on other shippers that are in that tier, you know, what kind of costs are they experiencing? So we were able to kind of communicate to the business, you want to increase service, we can do it, but it's going to come at a, uh, at a premium, somewhat of a premium on your rate side and the carriers that you select are going to, you're going to be typically higher premium carriers. So understanding how those things uh, are related to each other is important uh, for, for measuring success. Uh, in the business and not, uh, I guess, sub-optimizing yourself or getting stuck again on things that are perhaps not best in class. Because there's shippers out there that, that may not care about cost, honestly. They might have such high margins that cost is not something that they should be really concerned with. And they should be concerned about being a best in class service um, uh, shipper. And then there's the opposite case is, is true as well. Yeah, a lot, a lot of great points there. You, you know, I, I like the, you know, when you talked about 
you know, looking for that perfect, you know, benchmark and how that could be a, uh, you know, a, a, a stumbling block, if you will. And I think it goes back to the point we talked about earlier and why trust is important, right? Because there is no perfect, you know, benchmark, but if you at least trust the process, trust the methodology, trust the data behind it, um, you know, that gets you a long way towards then being able to lever- use that data understanding. It's not going to be hundred percent perfect, um, but you at least believe in it and trust in it to, you know, provide you with the insights that, that, that you need. And then that, the second point you brought up, you know, the importance of, you know, not looking at these benchmarks or these indices, uh, or the, all these different factors in, in isolation that, that there, there are relationships, you know, between them. And I think cost and service is a, is a perfect example there. And, and each business is going to have a different, you know, weight to each of those, uh, each of those things and different goals associated with, the, with each of those things. But understanding the, the relationships and the trade-offs between them, I think is, uh, is critical. Um, which, which brings me to my next question. So, I mean, you, you know, you, you can, perf- you compare your performance to a benchmark. I mean, how do you then communicate that comparison in a meaning- meaningful way, particularly to like upper management uh, or maybe even the folks that are in the front lines? I mean, how, I mean, communication, I, I think is kind of one of the, you know, critical aspects of this in terms of saying, Hey, gosh, cause people may get, um, you, you know, freak out over, gosh, we're doing so much worse than everybody than this benchmark or, they may become, you know, uh, complacent because they say, "Oh, you know, we're doing so much better than everybody else." So, how do you how do you communicate that and and put it in the right context for folks? Yeah, yeah, this is where uh, I think maybe the most critical part of it um, actually is the communication piece. And honestly, I see that with a lot of areas with technology and transportation management, just adoption and communication of results. Uh, if you don't get that that part nailed down, like we talked about with trust. And if you don't get that part nailed down, then all the work beforehand, it, it doesn't matter how shiny the tools are, how good the data is. You have to be able to communicate it in a way that's gonna to make a difference. And so I think one of the key things here with benchmarking though, is to consistently communicate how you're doing against benchmarks. This is perhaps also would fall under one of the major pitfalls of benchmarking is only using benchmarking when the question's asked about, you know, why is the market crazy? This is what we see it all the time, all the time. Um, You know, why is the market so crazy? Why am I right? My rates so high. Um, And then we pull out our benchmarks, but we need to be benchmarking ourselves all the time on a cadence. It needs to be something that is a part of the culture of our analytics and our, and our, our continuous improvement initiatives in the company. We need to constantly use our benchmarks so that when it comes time for a, uh, bad market. Nobody's uh, nobody's surprised. This isn't uh, something that's a fire drill. Every single time the market gets tough, we know what benchmarks are. We know what they mean, and we have uh, we are able to communicate them. I think consistency knocks out most of the issues because um, a lot of things are going to get ironed out with consistency. Um, if you don't give up at it and you hone in on how those are getting communicated and how you're using them, I think consistency really will knock out most of the things. But we also talked about that future mindset and just making sure that that is the culture of your organization and that's how you approach the subject. You know, I, I think I truly think that most leaders and most executives have that future mindset. They want to know um, what needs to happen tomorrow to make things you know, to hit their goals, um, to, to whatever those, uh, organizational goals are, or, or executive goals might be. They, I think most good leaders are going to have more of a future mindset, but I think for us, as we're reporting out, we, we can really easily fall into that defensive mindset and look for how to justify things. And I think that's going to be a dangerous place to be when you're communicating benchmark performance. So instead we always recommend communicate consistently 
communicate and communicate why. You know, you always answer the question, why did this happen? Not in a way to justify, but in a way to find opportunity to bring future improvements. So when you say, as an example, you know, our rates went up and the answer to that might be, well, we simply um, shipped more volume. So we had more capacity going to the spot market than we did before. We didn't, our contracts didn't cover everything, right? So you answer that and you say, well, our contracts didn't cover all the volume we moved. We started to get higher exposure for, for our rates because you know our, our carriers couldn't carry all, all that, those moves. And then you answer not just, you know, why did that happen, but what can we do to make that better uh, in the future? And I think that's what people will eat up. They just want to know what we're going to do differently tomorrow. Um, to help impact those numbers. So if we can focus on the future mindset and do that in a consistent way, I think honestly, a, a lot of the rest falls into place um, and we'll get better at it, you know, with practice and with consistency. Yeah, no, great advice there. I, I you know, com completely agree. So, you know, consistent communication with a future mindset, I think is the, the key takeaway there. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, Stephen, as, as a way to wrap up, um, you know, we, we, we know there's, uh, you know, we can say that probably there's never going to be a perfect you know, benchmark, and then there's always a room for improvement in terms of, of, of benchmarking. But how do you how do you see benchmarking, you know, evolving in the years ahead? Yeah, definitely. So I'm, my answer is going to be more based on the uh, demand that I see as you know, as we're using benchmarks and the feedback we get and the questions we get asked, you know, because I'm, you know, I, I, I'm in these kinds of calls, where we're reviewing these benchmarks pretty, pretty consistently. So um, that's going to be where a lot of my answers coming from here. But um, Really, we're looking for more, people are looking for more real-time benchmarking. Um, that's something that uh, we're working hard at here and, and uh, uh, to provide not just a backwards view of a benchmark, but to provide a what's happening today, not last week, but what's happening today in the marketplace um, uh, with, with capacity, with service, uh, what's happening today in this region where weather is pounding you know, the Northeast, what is happening right now because of that. Um, so real time is really important. I think that's honestly uh, more important than forecasting, but that's the other big one that people will talk about is forecasting performance. I, I'm always a little skeptical of forecasting performance in transportation because I've never seen one that <laughs> ever holds true even by the smartest people out there. I, I'm a little skeptical of it, but it's always going to be on demand and we're going to get closer and closer to that. I think part of that though first comes with good, accurate real time. Um, data. I think that's the first place that we need to be confident in. And I, honestly, I'm not sure there's, based on what I've seen out there, there's a lot of real time. Uh, uh, there's some stuff happening with that. I, I, there, there is, but uh, I think more of that, there could be more done around real time um, data. Embedded as well. You know, people are looking for this benchmarking information to be embedded uh, in their operations, wherever they're making the decisions. That's, that's a critical piece. So having it more available to people not just some sort of publication on a PDF or, um, you know, or some report that we subscribe to or someplace we log into and punch in zip codes, right? If they want to see this uh, immediately uh, at the time of making decisions. Um, but then outside of that too, I think one thing I'm excited about is uh, in how this will inform, you know, you know, augmented decision that kind of goes to the, to the, the, um, embedded piece, but also AI decision-making. And that's kind of some, also some focus that we're seeing here at Blue Jay is, is, you know, based on what's happening in the marketplace in real time right now, 
would I, would I make a decision differently? You know, if I knew that information and can, can, if we have automated processes, automated tender processes, automated, um, um, you know, if we have AI, that's a part of that process, you know, how can we use these data points, these market data points to inform the best decision? So I think some of those benchmarks are going to be used uh, from kind of more of a machine learning model uh, also going forward. Uh, so th those are some of the areas I think are key. And I know there's some buzzwords in there, but that's kind of what we're seeing is from a demand perspective for, for how these benchmarks are used. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I see a lot of that as, as well, you know, the, the embedded piece in particular, you know, really, you know, incorporating these benchmarks as part of the TMS, for example, part yeah. of the transportation management systems where, um, you know, as part of the whole routing guide, you know, process, right? So the way things are tendered or as part of the procurement process, kind of these benchmarks getting and real-time benchmarks kind of getting embedded as part of those, those, uh, you know, processes as well. Uh, you know, today, today is Earth Day. So uh, just kind of curious, are you seeing any activity or demand for benchmarking around sustainability types oh, of yeah. metrics, you know, in terms of carbon emissions or carbon footprint from a transportation standpoint? Yeah, thanks for mentioning that. Yeah, we do see that too. Absolutely. Uh, and we have, uh, we have, we've been developing those kinds of benchmarks as well for at Blue Jay. Um, not as much connected to that project, but it is a common question for us, you know, you know, how many, first of all, how much, you know, how many carbon, how much is my emission, how what am I using, not using the right terminology here, but uh, measuring my own emissions uh, is part of that. And that's actually far more complicated than a lot of people <laughs> uh, think. Um, but uh, we've got that down and, and then kind of talking about what standard is that. Yeah, definitely. We're seeing more and more of that. Consumers care about that more and more. Governments care about that more and more. Maybe more of a driving factor there um, is the, the political, um, I think, consequences, but definitely. Yep. Well, great. Well, the bottom line is that, you know, this is a topic that remains, you know, top of mind for a lot of folks. And it's something that's going to um, continue to evolve and improve and become a more critical component of everything we do in supply chain, but in particular in, in transportation. So, uh, Stephen, as always, uh, you provided some great insights and advice on this topic and appreciate you making the time to be with us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Great. I want to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, either at the Blue Jay website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Stephen, you can post it there. I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.